the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the third and final hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show at our new time, 7 to 10 on 710 KNUS. Great to be with you. Our telephone number, if you want to call in in the next segment, 303-696-1971. Now, we all remember the special session that happened last year towards the end And it was all over property taxes. And, of course, the Democrats didn't do anything that they should have done in that regard to provide real relief. But it also turned out to be a spectacle in radicalism and anti-Semitism as perpetuated on the House floor and from the gallery by State Representative Elizabeth Epps. Remember this when our guest, who will be joining us in just a moment, State Representative Ron Weinberg, returned to the floor after having been shut out um, by her disrupted following. So remember, Elizabeth Epps had done an anti-Semitic tirade state representative ron weinberg got up countered her with all the other republicans behind him and she was heckling from the gallery he returned here's a little bit of the craziness you talk about the bill you still haven't given the parameters what is latitude give us clear boundaries mr speaker pro tem as i addressed before Prior to recognizing Representative Weinberg in the first place, I granted considerable latitude to the previous speaker. I will be granting considerable latitude to this speaker as well. Representative Weinberg. Thank you, sir. Latitude like when you said I'm f***ing done with you and you found that uncomfortable? Representative Weinberg, please do your best to continue. Please do your best to just not say I'm f***ing done with you, which is apparently the standard of this house. This week... The Colorado General Assembly gaveled back in for its session, and Elizabeth Epps has not been present in the Capitol. State Representative Ron Weinberg joins me now this morning on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year. Good morning, Jimmy. Good to be back. Good to have you, as always. So let's just start with Epps for a moment. So you even had the State of the State address, and she didn't attend. I guess she's been chiming in or joining in remotely, as though it's the COVID era, in some kind of uh, protest because Speaker of the House Julie McCluskey finally rebuked her for her antics in the fall. Well, it's it's a little bit more than that. Uh, they actually moved her. She had a nice luxury office up there on the third floor. Oh, right, yes. Uh, yeah, they've moved her office into, uh, yeah, what was the mailroom. Oh, yes. See, that, that'll make you a little bit unhappy. I would think so. But, yeah, she's been up on the wall. And um, which is what we say in the house when you're on Zoom because you're, you're on the big television that's in the chamber. And she has not shown up for one day. 
What do you make of that? What do you make of the dynamics within the Democrat caucus regarding Representative Epps? It shows that they have a problem. It shows that there is a extremist group within their caucus that they have. Uh, I, I I didn't think they would even have it in them to to do all of this, what they've done. But there's conflict and their caucus is way too large and it's too extreme and it needs to change. Yeah, I mean, we have another example of that. I played the clip in the last hour, but let's take a a little bit of a listen. This is State Representative Tim Hernandez, another radical anti-Semite, on the floor of the House yesterday with the MLK recognitions. One of the reasons why Martin Luther King's philosophies were so unpopular is because he called for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Vietnam. I'm so proud to stand today as a member of the Latino caucus. I'm so proud of my caucus for standing standing in solidarity with the oppressed and calling for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Gaza today. Thank you. He is MLK for calling for a ceasefire. That is to say, for Israel to throw up its hands and say, you know what, we're not going to defeat the terrorists that brought about the most deadly attack on Jews since the Holocaust. We're just going to give up. This, I, I couldn't even sit in the chamber. The guy went down to the well and, and started speaking. He speaks so close to the microphone and so loud it's obnoxious uh i couldn't even sit in the room it was, it was hurting my ears um he's a self-glorified uh egomaniac who is convinced that he is the next prophet uh and even coming close to the clip that was even worse was he called mlk a socialist yes this, this, this i mean really uh, how, if anyone knows anything about America, uh, American patriotism, MLK is one of the that sits on that, and he would be disgraced and disgusted by such yeah. pathetic comments. What? And uh, the, the, this, this tiny Tim is is terrible. Well, I mean, when it comes to uh, like that tiny Tim. Um, what you have is a situation with a guy who, remember, this is a clear distinction between MLK. I don't know about you, but I learned in school, Ron, that MLK swore off violence. He encouraged nonviolent protest. And yet, in an interview on Nine News, Tim Hernandez refused to condemn and disavow violence in pursuit of what he calls a cultural revolution. MLK would have said absolutely no violence. He refused to do anything of the sort. That, that to me, it's just, just a tiny little difference between the two. Okay, it's a big difference. Yeah, he's, he's a political actor, um, loves his own voice. He was practicing that speech in his office before he even got into the chamber. Really? It's all a big stage for him, and he's just an actor, a part of it. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can notice that, which is one of the reasons why, for those who aren't aware of the news, it's nice to see that uh, another guy of this of a similar vein, Tay Anderson, has announced that he is not no longer running for House District 8. He's bowed out of that race and is starting a nonprofit so people can finally get a tax deduction when they give him money. But I digress. When we look at the legislature, you see the likes of Epps and Hernandez, and there are some others. And it, to me, it really encapsulates the radicalism within the Democrat caucus, that it took them so long to finally do something about Elizabeth Epps at the start of the session and that they still have this strain within their ranks and are trying to figure out how to deal with it. 
Um, that that to me tells a lot. What, from your perspective, is sort of the dynamic of this legislative session now, given that the war in Gaza is continuing and you have this anti-Semitism and anti-Semites right there in the state capital? And of course, you yourself are Jewish with a parent who came from Israel to South Africa and then you guys came here. Yeah, it, it, there's only one word to, to sum up this session for the next 117 days, but who's counting? It's literally disruption. That's it. And you know what? In a in small, weird way, it's actually to our benefit. Democrats not being allowed to pass nonsense, illogical, anti-American legislation is good for the people of Colorado. So every day that they disrupt in the gallery and we can't pass bills. That's a great point. Is a good day for the Colorado people. That's a great point. So it may be absolutely embarrassing, but it means that you have fewer things that are getting accomplished in the sense of big government programs and agenda items that the Democrats have. I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you put it in good perspective. We're talking with State Representative Ron Weinberg. So this week, I must admit, I did not watch it, although I read a couple of recaps of it. Governor Polis had his state of the state address. What do you make of that? What are your impressions? You know, the, the state of the state can really be summed up. It was an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes, I think. It really gets summed up into two pieces. You have, you as a Republican in the chamber, are reminded how small of a number we are, first of all. Only 19 House representatives out of 65 in the House. Only 13 out of 35 in the Senate. Um, we sit together. We have our corner, basically. And anytime the governor would say something that would be good, you know, you'd have one party stand and, and give regard and clapping to that. The sickness that happened in the state of the state was that the expansion of abortion and literally now making Colorado a place of business for abortion to where other people can come into the state, get an abortion, and the Colorado's taxpayer pays for that. And now, literally, abortion is a business in the state. And you have the whole chamber erupting with applause by the Democrats and, and every single Republican sitting in silence and shame and dismay. And then you have the other portion of it, which is then the governor mentions, I think, six to six to eight times how the reason paver is coming back to us is because overtaxation and we need to lower taxes in the state. Not one Democrat rises in support with applaud, but every single Republican does. So that sums up the state of the state in, in, in a small way. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, to what extent I know he supports some has supported some of the tax reductions, but I don't believe that he is sincere about his zero income tax. If he was, he would actually be speeding ahead with uh, with proposals of his own that are very concrete for tax increases or tax uh, cuts. Um, I, I don't see that happening. I haven't seen that happen. He just jumps on the bandwagon when Republicans take the lead or conservative organizations do. Again, it's it's the stage. And, and the act must go on. <laughs> yes, indeed. Again, State Representative 
Ron Weinberg joining us. Uh, let's also talk about this uh, lawsuit from State Rep Scott Bottoms regarding the earned income tax credit that was uh, there was a bill that was passed in regards to that during the special session last year. Somehow it became about more than property tax relief in the session. What what's happened in there? Oh yeah, special session to property tax and burden and the burden on the American on Colorado people. Uh, yeah, that was supposed to be addressed, which never got addressed. Instead, renters just got relief. Oh, that was a very productive session and a waste of time for all of us. Um, but yeah, uh, Scott Bottoms has the constitutional right uh, to ask for the bill to be read at length, um, which is, again, a constitutional right. He was denied that right and currently has a lawsuit to where he's trying to overturn the bill because that's our job technically at this point as Republicans <clears throat> is to make sure they don't pass anything. But you, to the, just to the extent of the power of the Democratic Party right now is a small – in the, the first three days, because they know that the lawsuit is going to prevail, they took the exact same bill, the exact same bill, and put it through first readings over the desk, sec, um, committee hearing, which was my committee. I sat in with Scott, Representative Bottoms, and then – Straight to seconds, and I'm guessing on Tuesday we're probably going to go straight to thirds, which will mean you'll have your first bill railroad through in the first week of session, which is unheard of. And because of their supermajority status, that's they can do it, and they can spit in the face of 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 the process. So, in other words, we need Hernandez and Epps to continue with their shenanigans to slow this nonsense down. Yes, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's we need we need we need help from people outside the building. We need public comments and testimony. People need to be writing in and exposing this behavior, and and we need to get Republicans, good conservatives, elected this twenty twenty four. Yeah, that, that's an important point, is what can people actually do about it? And this thing that you mentioned, it's called public comment. When you have a bill that is before a committee, the people can go. Everyday folks, you don't have to have some title behind your name. In fact, sometimes it's all the more powerful when you don't have a title. And you are just there as a parent who's upset about something happening in the world of education or a property taxpayer who's concerned about the fact that your property taxes are skyrocketing and the legislature isn't doing anything about it in any real way. And the list goes on. You could show up and give your own piece as an everyday Colorado. Exactly. And we're, we're there to encourage you and, and help you. It seems intimidating, and but it really does help. Um, you know, all of us, the Mighty 19 down there, we're there to make the, the process comfortable. And, and we need we need your stories to get out um, to the in these committees. And it's it's of utmost importance. Yeah, I- indeed. So we're looking ahead. Um, I would expect that there's something to do with property taxes. There's got to be something to do with housing and zoning that will come up. You can look at uh, education, a lot of concerning legislation uh, in that regard that may trample upon parental rights. What are some things that you're going to be watching for in this session, especially if they do really proceed continuously full speed ahead in the way that you're describing with a bill already coming to the floor this coming week? 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at the expansion of the gun laws as well, a violation of our constitutional rights. Um, <clears throat> you can basically buy a stamp and say uh, that literally says unconstitutional and just be ready every time you see pieces of legislation, just stamping it unconstitutional. So there should be rarely a law put into place that you cannot even introduce something that's unconstitutional, Agreed. but clearly that's not the case. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, what what is remarkable has been this, and a lot of times Republicans are guilty of this too, is, in fact, George W. Bush had a, oh gosh, what was the bill? There was, no, it wasn't, it was Bush. It was the campaign finance law. And he was like, I don't think that this is constitutional, but I'm going to sign it anyway and let the courts handle it. And then, lo and behold, courts have upheld some of these outrageous campaign finance restrictions. So even Republicans have been guilty of just letting something slide, even though they know that it is unconstitutional. But I really think, Representative Weinberg, that if yourself and the leadership in the House, leadership in the Senate, rank-and-file folks are out there saying, look, number one, this is unconstitutional. Number two, this will hurt Coloradans. Number three, this is wholly unnecessary. I think those arguments can be very compelling to voters to get a better understanding of what's really happening at the Capitol. Correct. And, and people look at the numbers, right, at 65 representatives, 46 Democrats, 19 Republicans. We don't need 46 Democrats to pass good legislation. There are, believe this or not, there are sensible uh, Kennedy Dems uh, that are classical liberals that are sensible. (laughs) And I I know it sounds crazy, but all we need is 14 plus 19. And if we bring the focus back to actually making sense of politics with good law and good bills, with just that small of a number... We can ignore the extreme and get back to the work of the people of this great state. Do you think that's actually going to happen in any meaningful I'm, way? I'm going to do my best. I, I, that's what I did on this, in the speech when, you know, Epps tried to disrupt the gallery during the special session, yelling at me, barking at me from the top. Uh, I'm, that's what my message was. I've spoken with the Speaker of the House, Julie McCluskey, and our minority leader, Mike Lynch, and that's the, that's the mission. And, you know, we'll see that in the days ahead of what, where it comes from. But, you know, the, the speech that I gave was the Democrats didn't have to let me do that. And they did. So if that shows that there is some, some kind of a hint of that they are willing to, to move into that level, too, then I don't know what else there is, you know. Just a couple of minutes left with our guest, State Representative Ron Weinberg, here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. So what is this as well uh, about a filibuster? I mean, in in the news, the uh, Colorado politics, you have a report saying that uh, the Republicans uh, filibustered um, in, a, in a debate for 45 minutes. Uh, what? That, that's a filibuster? No, it wasn't. I mean, geez, if anybody's seen how we filibuster, we take it seriously. But again, a filibuster right now, as the Democrats have shown the last session last year, it, it's not. It doesn't work. All they have to do is Rule 14, Rule 16. Us. They're obviously using it. They used it a record amount of time in the history of the state. They're not ashamed of it. They're going to do it again. So, for anybody to even say that we're filibustering at this point is is, is nonsense. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I. <laughs> 
the, the notion. I some of those classic filibusters from Congress, where you really had that opportunity back in the olden days, where you had to be on the floor for countless hours to just keep the debate going. Uh, in Colorado, we saw last year uh, some attempts at. at, at semi-filibustering, I'll say, from the the legislature. That were real efforts to prolong the debate. 45 minutes is just absolute nonsense. So a real quick, uh, a final word from you, Representative Weinberg, as this session gets uh, moves ahead. What should folks be watching? What are you paying attention to? What are your impressions? Anything you'd like to close with? Uh, Just come down and see your building. Uh, You know, we're very available. The Mighty 19 has happy to see guests and to introduce you into politics. We we just want to see you guys involved. We want to see your listeners and involved and, and behind us and backing us when we have to really make some tough decisions. So we just want the support. Reach out to us. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a letter saying hello, giving us your concerns. That's that's just the base. And does, does it also help when you get a phone call or an email saying, Kudos. Good job, Representative Weinberg. Good job, Republican Caucus. Thank you for fighting the good fight on this issue or that issue. You know what? It, both. Uh, it, the, the good phone calls and the bad phone calls, I would say, help me the most because it shows me what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. Just any type of reach out. Like, I love it when I hear, yes, you did a great job. But, I, you know, I also want to know what, what people's opinions are because they're the subject matter yeah. and they're the experts. Well said. Well said. State Representative Ron Weinberg, always good to check in with you, sir. Thanks for your time this morning, and best of luck in the shena- with the shenanigans of this session. God bless you, my brother. Thank you for having me. You as well. Once again, Representative Weinberg joining us here on the program. If you want to chime in, 303-696-1971. Your takeaways from what's happening so far in the legislature and... When we come back, we're also going to talk about the election results in Taiwan. It's a setback for Beijing in their presidential election. Let's dive into that as well. Some good news as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. I thought this was the perfect tune after our conversation with State Rep. Ron Weinberg, who is running through the jungle right now, that is the Colorado General Assembly. Love me some CCR as we continue. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show now 7 to 10 on 710. Peter Boyle's up from 10 until 1. That's the new timing for your morning programming here every Saturday on 710 KNUS. So you'll recall... I can't believe how much time has flown. Two Octobers ago, in October 2022, I went on my first international trip, leaving the continental U.S. for the first time, not to Europe, but to Asia, and specifically to Taiwan, when I went as part of an international press tour put on by their foreign ministry. It was fascinating, and not just because I was one of only three American journalists along with Uh, among 25 total from around the world. I learned a lot from the others, ranging from Bulgaria and the Czech Republic to Sweden to Mexico to Peru to the Marshall Islands. The list goes on where folks came from around the world as part of this press tour. But I learned a lot in that experience and have been covering very closely things happening regarding China and Taiwan. 
Well, there's good news that came out of Taiwan in their elections yesterday. Here's the headline from the New York Times, which has some good coverage here. In a setback for Beijing, Taiwan elects Lai Ching Te as president. Taiwan's vice president, whose party has emphasized the island's sovereignty, defeated an opposition party that favors reviving engagement with China. Uh, this is a big deal. So I, ta- President Tsai Ing-wen is outgoing now, and she's of this very same political party, the Democratic Progressive Party. And I have to tell you, when I was there in Taiwan, we had the opportunity for an audience with the president. We didn't get to talk with her, but we got to meet her, which was very cool in and of itself. But was what was more profound to me was sitting there as a guest outside then in their big event. They had a massive national day event that they have every year. They had dancers, they had a big parade, they had music, they had all the pomp and circumstance. And the president gave a speech that was powerful, that was refusing to kowtow to the Chinese Communist Party, and that was expressing firm resolve for democracy, for sovereignty, for their own right to control their own affairs. And now her vice president, Lai Ching-te, is now becoming the president. For years, the New York Times reports, he's been reviled by China's Communist Party as a dangerous foe who, by its account, could drag the two sides into a war by pressing for full independence for his island democracy. I don't know about that. Now, that is some exaggeration coming from uh, from them. From the Chinese Communist Party, but of course they're going to say this. They're looking for a pretext to invade Taiwan if the opportunity presents itself. Now, right up to Saturday, the New York Times reports, when millions of Taiwanese voted for their next president, an official Beijing news outlet warned that Mr. Lai could take Taiwan on a path of no return. Their words, quote, on a path of no return. Yet despite China's months of menacing warnings of a war or peace, quote, war or peace, choice for Taiwan's voters, basically trying to interfere in Taiwan's elections, Mr. Lai was victorious. Mr. Lai, currently Taiwan's vice president, secured 40% of the votes in the election, giving his Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP, a third term in a row in the presidential office. No party has achieved more than two successive terms since Taiwan began holding direct democratic elections for its president in 1996. Think of this as sort of like George H.W. Bush carrying on the mantle of Ronald Reagan's presidency. That's very much what's going on here. And this is good news because it sends a message to the Chinese Communist Party that the Taiwanese people will not be bullied or intimidated into voting for a president who is not going to be as firm against China. And I frame it that way because all the parties and major parties in China or in Taiwan are not friends of Beijing. It's just there's sort of degrees of a willingness to cooperate. 
they they do want to maintain their sovereignty, their ability to control their own affairs, even if they don't have recognition from most of the world as an actual country, even though they should. And so the Taiwanese people said, look, we are going to continue with the DPP because that's the best way forward. We're not going to be intimidated. And this is good news for America. This is good news for the world that you have the government of Taiwan continuing as it is in terms of its foreign policy affairs. And let me tell you, you go to Taiwan, it is a democracy's democracy. And it is, uh, although they have some massive programs, government programs, they've got a national health service, I forget what they call it, um, and so forth. They still have a private economy. They are very traditionally Chinese in terms of their culture. They're very proud as well of their identity. And they don't want to be ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. They don't want to have reunification like Xi Jinping wants. And that is shown in this election. Now, you have to keep in mind, the election is not just about foreign affairs in China. There are a lot of domestic issues and concerns that go on, just as is the case here in the United States. But it is a driving issue there. The Times goes on to say, addressing his supporters at the event, Mr. Lai called for unity while also pledging his commitment to defending Taiwan's identity. Quote, between democracy and authoritarianism, we choose to stand on the side of democracy, Mr. Lai said. This is what this election campaign means to the world. Very decisive language there. Just as President Tsai had brought in her speech when I was there for National Day in Taiwan, in Taipei, their capital city, in 2022. So that's good news for folks who are concerned about Taiwan sort of being more conciliatory. That isn't what we are seeing now, and that is very encouraging because they're not being kowtowed. They're not kowtowing and being intimidated. Now, one other thing that uh, I wanted to note is that we had, on a different different topic, we had some new CPI, Consumer Price Index, inflation data that came out yesterday. Hey, you know, the Biden administration consistently tries to paint this rosy picture about things with the economy and Bidenomics, even though the public absolutely despises it. And I just wanted to allow Rick Santelli of CNBC to elucidate on why the inflation number is not so great. If you take core CPI, the actual index, which is seasonally adjusted, the read there is 313.216. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to me. That's the highest it's ever been. It's ever been. Now, remember, Bureau of Labor Statistics brings out this number. Go to their website. When did COVID start? March of 2020? Okay, this is a decent number. That means NOVA was the most updated we had prior to about two minutes ago. If you go to their website and you look at their CPI inflation calculator and you put in uh, Feb of 2020, what you'll find is it takes a dollar nineteen of NOVA twenty three dollars to buy what bought a dollar pre COVID. Do it if you don't believe me. 
<laughs> I love Rick Santelli. He is the guy who is seen as sort of the unofficial sparker of the lighter of the Tea Party flames. The Tea Party fire back in the the early 2010s. Because he was on the floor of the stock exchange and he lit it up. And then, boom, things grew from there as sort of like a, an honorary uh, uh, sparker of those flames. But you could hear that. $1.19 to get you what a dollar bought us back in 2019 or just the early days of 2020 in pre-COVID. Like, that is stark, and yet that is the record that Joe Biden wants to run on? That's a very weak position to be in. I don't care who the nominee is, whether it's Trump, Haley, or DeSantis. By the way, on the presidential thing, uh, it was quite something to see Chris Christie get out. He needed to. He should have gotten out earlier. His money was just drying up, and that's a big reason why he did that. Um, I think Ron DeSantis is toast. Um, I like DeSantis a lot. I'd be happy to have him as the nominee, be happy to have Nikki Haley as the nominee, but I don't see DeSantis coming out this week in Iowa very well. I think he's going to place third. Um, And if he doesn't, then he will be a very close second to Nikki Haley. Uh, And it's possible that Trump could lose Iowa. I don't think that's the case given the caucus dynamics there. New Hampshire, though, is going to be the real test for Nikki Haley. And how she performs. If she knocks down DeSantis in Iowa and then performs well in New Hampshire and clinches, she could clinch first. She could possibly beat Trump. I'm not saying she will, but she could possibly. I think that there is a real potential there. And uh, this could become a two-candidate race pretty quick. And then it's a determination as to whether Haley can actually bring it to Trump and prevent him from getting the nomination, which is a bigger open question of its own. But nevertheless, it is primary season getting underway, full swing, full speed ahead next week with the Iowa caucuses. We will have some reaction next Saturday, of course, on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, now running 7 to 10 here on 710 every Saturday morning. Good to be with you as well on the program and always good to check in with Peter Boyles as we will in the next segment when we continue. He's now from 10 to 1 on Saturdays here on 710 KNUS. Don't go anywhere. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Robin Trower rocking and rolling us back with the fool and me. News Talk 710 KNUS, the Jimmy Sangenberger show. I thought it was rather apropos of... Some of our discussions, lots of fools in Colorado politics these days. Of course, we now have a new time on Saturday mornings. We're from 7 to 10 on 710, followed by the man himself from 10 to 1, Peter Boyles, who is in studio. Peter in the house. Good morning, brother. James, good morning. It's cold outside. It, oh, my gosh. It's freezing. What a high of five today. And I think um, by Monday, it will be a high of negative one. Saw that. I mean, wow. Stock show weather. Yeah, especially after the warmth that we had before. They were like, when is it going to get cold? Well, you just had to wait because it was only a matter of time before we started getting snow and bitter cold weather. Ski is getting snow. That's good stuff. So, well, rock and roll. I listened to you coming in about this uh, 
these new websites. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to stick a little bit into sure. the into the first hour of my show. What are we watching happen with you? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you, and I think it's I think it's you know you, you're in your in your first feud, and having been through many feuds myself, um, it's almost like a a marker. You've 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 come into the. Uh, who do you think you are feuding with? I don't think I'm feuding, actually. Okay, well, I think I think I'm shining light on something, which is the absurdity of terms like rhino and establishment. Because, as I point out in my column, which you read yesterday, the Denver Gazette, um, if you were able to use party resources, if you control that aspect and those dynamics, if your um, identity is tied to the front runner for the Republican Party. If you're able to use these resources, uh, like accessing party lists, email lists, and so forth, that makes you the the establishment. These terms are absurd because they also keep changing with uh, rubrics. And you know what? If they want to uh, spurge with nicknames and stuff, I'll have fun with it. Well, I'm, it's. I think I liked what you said. They are the new establishment. Mm-hmm. There are the people that are, are keeping, you know, are, are establishing who a Republican is, yes. who a Republican isn't. And I'm still struggling to figure out who is and who isn't, but you just have to ask them. Well, they put it up there on their list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Norma Anderson. I think that actually Lauren Boebert make the list. No, Boebert and I have not met the list. I was just noted as our hero. Um, I, I'm. I want to be inducted. Like, come on. Yeah. Induct me into the Rhino Wall of Shame. Why well, not? In last Why not we just talked. go the full length? Come on, guys. It was, it was Nixon's enemies list. Yeah. When, and I said it before, I'll say it again, that uh, Pat Buchanan told me that uh, people that he went to, like, even back that he went to prep school with, called him up and said, can you get me on the list? And what we do know now is there were two enemies lists. There was the one that was public, but then Nixon truly had an enemies list that he had no problem going after those people. Mm-hmm. So have you? Is this, a, is this an enemies list? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the mark of you are uh, you don't fit in with the new okay. Republican or, uh, orthodoxy right. as determined by the, uh, the the masked crusaders who've determined themselves to be. Well, who arbiters. makes the call? Yeah. I mean, that. well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. What is a rhino? What is a, a genuine, true Republican? Mm-hmm. And what isn't, who isn't, who is, who gets to decide, it's it's entirely subjective. As I was pointing out and point out uh, in the last hour, when you have a walk from it's about being a true conservative Tea Party movement to Ted Cruz is the guy, dump yeah. Trump at the Republican National Assembly, yeah. as Colorado folks tried to do, and uh, then it's all in on Trump, then it's stolen elections, then it's these people who are in the Colorado GOP yeah. that need to be highlighted. I mean, it, it is absurd because there's no consistency whatsoever. I heard a fellow call your show driving in saying, well, if you're not in the Trump party, then you're a communist. Wow, that's, Joe, that's, that's McCarthyism at its best. Mm. No, it's a very, it's a very frightening time. Yeah, and what's, what's something else, too, is we're at a moment. You look at the legislature. And you have Tim Hernandez saying things that are insane and Elizabeth Epps refusing. She's been penalized because of antics on the floor of the House. And uh, she's saying, well, now I'm not coming in and protest. I'm just zooming in (laughs) and all of these things. And and there's a lot for the Republicans to point to with the Democrats right now. 
and yet instead we see these constant this constant rigmarole of let's focus on Republicans who don't fit our purity test over the Democrats. But part of these people, Epps and others, they're seeking uh, martyrdom. They're seeking victimhood, which is an important part of the game, that they become the martyrs, they become the... And to me, it's like if you can see them for who they are, then you let them go. But they themselves see themselves as martyrs. They see themselves as victims. Uh, Donald Trump sees himself as a martyr and a victim. This is why it's okay in their book for Dave Williams, as chairman of the party, to do two things. One, say, I'm running for Congress and I'm not stepping down. And number two punting to the executive committee and saying, well, George Brockler, I'm not going to say that I will definitely allow my opponents to use the GOP email list for their announcements like I did. I'm going to let the executive committee determine, but for me, I will take it upon myself to give myself the political booster seat. Uh, Dave, and I'm a, I, I like Dave as a person. We, I, I think we're, we're, we're good friends. I politically find a lot of places where I disagree with Dave, but Dave is a Rowan. Dave is a uh, samurai without a master. He is, he's Dave Williams. He's, he's a set aside. He, uh, he hears no other drummer but his own. And um, we'll see what happens to Dave. Dave has angered up the blood, as they say, of a lot of people, a lot of mainstream Republicans. The Democrats don't like him. I don't know if the media likes Dave Williams or not, but uh, I I personally like Dave. I've gotten along with him. Oh, yeah. I, I dubbed him the half-blood prince when they went after him because his mom's Latino. Yeah. And his dad's an Anglo, and they get after him that he really wasn't. And I went, so he became Harry Potter's half-blood prince. Mm-hmm. I like Dave a lot. We'll see what he does. He's mm-hmm. given somebody the hot foot. Lauren Boebert this week has made back into the news, and uh, her former husband and the, the bar indicators that they have a bar fight, I, yeah. I think they probably did. Mm. Uh, then he goes after his own son, and what do we do with all that? Where's that headed? And that that leaves my my topic this morning is morality. Does morality count in politics mm. or in general? Yeah, Peter Boyles, I ten know. to one now. I'll with stick me. around. Right. Tune in next Saturday, seven to ten on seven ten KNUS for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. See you then. God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.